Good morning. I hope you can hear me. Just wave if you can hear me. That's it. Nice to see all your hands. It's great. Great to see you this morning. And um, we're doing a slightly, we're not on any series this week. And I thought we'd just think about the new year coming up and ask ourselves that question. What's going to make 2022 great? What's going to make it great? What, what can we do? How can we position ourselves for this year to be a great year? This week to be a great week? And we all know, don't we, the answer. I mean, you know the answer before I... If I the, the answer is always Jesus, isn't it? The answer is Christ. The answer is him. It's our relationship to him. How we're relating to him. Whether we know him as our saviour and lord and and all that he is good shepherd friend how we know him and um i want to be well we'll see how brief i am this morning and the title of my message this morning is eat what is good say eat what is good tell me eat what is good matt come on eat what is good don't we all probably we probably all need to hear that we probably all of us eaten a few a few too many of these maybe this Christmas. Just wave your hand if you've eaten a few too many of these. And anybody eating a few too many of these or you're just not being honest, you know. I've, you know what it's like when you open one of these boxes, it's like they, um, they just disappear, don't they? Uh, eat what is good. And now this is good in some ways, but uh, hey, um, we all know. But then there's this as well. Eat what is good. We've got some nice fruit there. And I, I don't imagine that Christmas eating consisted of a massive amount of fruit. Some of you are probably sat there going, oh no, I ate so much fruit and vegetables. Oh, I'm so good. But most people probably are thinking about the new year and thinking about how I might want to reduce and eat what is good. And I'm using that obviously as an illustration for the spiritual life because a lot of what we consume, we are, remember that program, there used to be a program called You Are What You Eat. And that is obviously so, isn't it? We, can, we are constructed of what we consume. And uh, it's true of our souls as well. There's two basic blocks to humanity. That's the, the spirit and soul and the inner life. And then there's the body. Those two elements. And... Oftentimes we don't tend to think about the spirit and the soul and how that's affected by what we, you know, what we eat, what we consume. And what I mean by that is what we read, what we watch, what we do with our bodies affects, because the two things are linked. We are a unit really, but it's good to think of those inner and outer life. But we are, we are one thing. We are one being. We are holistic as it were. And what you do with your body will affect your spirit and soul. And what you do with your spirit and soul will affect your body as well. And oftentimes we consume, we eat, we, we read, we listen, we watch, we sing or don't. Things which are not nourishing to our spirit. And let me read to you what Jesus says here in 
John 6, 35. And I hope you've got your bread and wine ready because this is going to be part of um, the message. We're going to be just taking the bread and wine as I speak this morning. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So that's a great promise there, talking about the soul and the spirit. Jesus is not saying if you become a Christian, you never need to buy groceries again. You can somehow survive without buying food. Wouldn't that be nice? I suppose it wouldn't be nice, actually, but it'd be cheaper. Um, But he's talking about our spirit. You will never be thirsty. You will never be hungry if you come to me. And as I was preparing for this, uh, I was reminded of the story of Elijah. And his his experience is a great illustration of spiritual depression and how to come out of that spiritual depression. He's a great example of the need to eat what is good. And Elijah was a great hero of the faith. He'd seen great victories. So let's think about these great victories very briefly. He controlled the rain at his words, because God said, and there was a great drought in the land of Israel, by his word, 1 Kings 17, it says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. So this man was a great hero of the faith. At his word, there was no rain. He was fed during that drought and famine. He was fed miraculously by a river and by ravens, strangely. But he was fed by God. He raises, he's then fed miraculously again. He goes to live with this woman called the the widow of Zarephath. And while he's with her, It says the oil and the flour never ran out. God miraculously fed him and the family that he was staying with. He then raises her son from the dead. Raises the dead at his prayer. Where's the strange? Anyway, I won't go into the details. Then he has this showdown with the prophets of Baal. Let's remember that Israel at this time had become uh, mixed up. They'd stopped, many of them had stopped, and certainly certainly the, the, the royal family had stopped worshipping God. And they were worshipping Baal, and their worship was mixed. It reminds us of our nation, doesn't it? Very much mixed up in its spirituality. And then um, Elijah has this showdown with the prophets of Baal, whom they were worshipping. And he sees fire come from heaven. And we read this in 1 Kings 18, 38 to 39. Fire fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil, licked up the water of the trench. When all the people saw this, 
they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And that's the idea that, that the people were coming back to God through Elijah because fire had come from heaven as he had prayed. Then we see miraculous rain. He prays, kneels down seven times and then this rain came, miraculous rain. And then he, it says here, the power of the Lord came on him and he ran 16 miles ahead of a chariot. That must have been pretty fast, even faster than Nev. So this, this man, as you, we've just briefly touched on, had experienced massive victories, challenges, but great victories in his life. Think about that. Just think about your own life. The victories that you've seen. You may not have seen fire come from heaven, but you've seen God heal. You've seen God provide. You've known his presence. You've experienced things of God. You've known his faithfulness. You've seen things in your life that have been really amazing. You've seen, haven't you, in your spirit, as it were, that Jesus died for you, rose again for you, for you personally. You've known the love of God in your life. And I hope we've also seen some great miracles as well. But then he's pushed over the edge into what I'm calling spiritual depression. This is a phrase that was used by Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book called Spiritual Depression, which is well worth reading. You can actually listen to the sermons as well if you go to the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust website. And he talks about spiritual depression being weighed down, feeling that God is distant, your hope being very weak, losing motivation to serve God. Sometimes this spiritual depression can affect our bodies as well, so we feel lethargic and weighed down. We can wonder if God loves us, we can wonder if God is with us, where is God, we can be asking. And we all go through seasons of this at times. And I felt God lead me to preach on this today as we go into this new year, because as we go into this new year, God wants to know that, say to every one of us, whatever position we're in, that God is with you, that he's with you. And he wants to encourage you this morning. And that whatever the new year brings, He's going to continue to be with you and strengthen you and help you in all the experiences that you're going to go through. So Elijah's tipped over the edge and he's vulnerable. And I, 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 if you look at the last things I was just mentioning, he'd, he'd seen this great victory of fire coming from heaven. And then he immediately he'd climbed this mountain and prayed for the rain and then he'd run this 16 miles and even though even though the spirit of God had been upon him I wonder if all those things compounded led to him being vulnerable 
And often when we see victories, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this in his book, and I, I think this is true, often when we have great experiences of God, we can then, be, for, for, for whatever reason, have an ex, a corresponding experience of darkness as well. Sometimes the busyness of life and busyness of ministry and busyness of things and busy seasons can lead to a sense of darkness and spiritual depression. I think we're seeing that illustrated in the life of Elijah. It says here in 1 Kings 19, 1 to 2. Now Ahab, Ahab told Jezebel, this is Ahab's wife, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets of Baal by the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Bearing in mind He's just confronted the prophets of Baal. Pharaoh had come from heaven and they had been killed. And now this word from Jezebel, who represents the prophets, who represents Baal, just just topples him over. He's vulnerable. And no matter how strong we are, we can be vulnerable. Times of vulnerability. He's forgotten all the victories He's, he's kind of forgotten all that God has been doing and he seems to be, this, 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 this threat gets right under his skin. And there are times of vulnerability and, and vulnerability to spiritual depression. You know, a sickness makes us vulnerable to these things. A word, just a word, a disappointment for no apparent reason, a loss of something that we hold dear. Just things aren't going as we would want. I mean, we can all relate to this, I'm sure. At work, at home, in church, things aren't going as we had hoped. And we can be consumed by this and forget all the good things that God has done. That's why it's so important to be thankful and to each day be thankful of what God has done. And each day be thankful for the cross and his love. And to be thankful and to read God's word. To remind ourselves of these things, even when we have to grind it out, right? Even when we don't feel motivated to do it. There's times of vulnerability and, and he's afraid. He ran for, it says in 1 Kings 19, 3 to 5, we continue the story. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He laid down under the bush 
and fell asleep. Sleep is important, isn't it? He's, he's, he's worn out and exhausted. And sometimes, and I'm going to be touching on this in the blog, I can't touch on all the, all the various things today, but during the, the blogs this week, we'll be looking at various things. Um, but sleep is, and rest is, is something that God wants for us. And clearly that was a, an issue for Elijah at this time. He prayed for death. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. He felt alone and scared. In, in 9 to 10 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings, it says, The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. He's been very zealous, very committed, very passionate, very single-minded, devoted to God, Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. In other words, the people of God have turned away from you. Torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. I've been zealous. You know, there's a sense of self-pity here. I've been zealous, Lord, and... I'm, I'm obviously, um, maybe he is accusing God of letting him down and saying, look, I've been zealous for you, Lord, and you haven't come through for me. It doesn't say that, but it maybe means that, right? I've been zealous for the Lord. I've been zealous for you, Lord, but look at the mess I'm in. Look at the situation I'm in. I'm being threatened by the queen of the who's married to Ahab, Jezebel. I hear in this, I'm here in this wilderness. I've been running for my life. You've not acted, Lord, as I've thought you should, especially as I've been zealous. Where's my reward? Where's all the good things that I should be having because I've been serving you so zealously? And I'm overplaying it a bit, but we can all, I guess, at times feel that. I've been serving you, Lord. We get that in the Psalms sometimes. He talks about, look at the wicked. And David says, my heart grew sick because I looked at the wicked and look how they were prospering rather than being judged by you. People are not listening to me. Look at the look at the look at the nation of Israel. They've all turned away from you. And sometimes we can be disappointed with the way the church is and the way the people are. And look at the way the church is going in the nation or even look at our own church, maybe. And we can feel disappointed with people and disappointed with one another. They're trying to kill me. I'm scared. He's depressed. He's had enough of life. Let's talk about how we come out of it very briefly. Elijah had to eat what was good. He had to eat what is good. We can eat what is bad. 
We can believe lies. We can consume lies. We can consume sinful entertainment that, does, that robs us of joy, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't bless our consciences, makes us feel empty and miserable. Or we can eat what is good. Eat what is good. Or, obviously, we can eat what is good, as we're going to do in a minute, Christ. We can eat the bread of life. We can know Jesus. We can spend time with him. We can pray, worship. Even if we don't feel like it, he is present. We can turn, you know, the word... Uh, why are you, it says in one of the Psalms, why are you down, Psalm 42, sorry, why are you downcast, O my soul? And the Hebrew word for downcast is to be burdened and bowed down, bowed down by a weight. And if you remember Jesus's word, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. He doesn't say wait until you feel light, cheerful, full of faith, full of joy, and then come to me. If we do that, we'll remain heavy burdened and laden. Come to me all who are heavy laden. Come to me all who are thirsty. Come to me and I'll give you living water. These are the great promises of Jesus and we've been seeing this illustrated in the life of Elijah and it carries on. So we're gonna eat what is good? Elijah, it says in 1 Kings 19, 5 to 8, he lay down under a bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He travelled 40 days, 40 nights, reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And we went to see here in this story a reference to Israel who wandered for 40 years, represented by the 40 days, in the wilderness, and they were sustained by the manna or the miraculous bread and miraculous water on occasion where, where for example, Moses spoke to the rock and water flowed out and they came to the uh, oases in the desert and God led them through the desert. And we're meant, we're meant to see that in this story. Like Israel, God led Elijah to the mountain of God. And this mountain of God, Horeb, is Mount Sinai. Like Israel, they were led 40 years through the desert sustained by miraculous food and water until they came to the mountain of God where God spoke to them and gave them the law. 
And if we were to update this to the new covenant, which we're in after Christ, we're meant to see in this, aren't we? That we are led by Christ. He is the bread of life. He will sustain us through this life until we come to God in glory, until we reach heaven, which we will do. We will be with him. He will sustain us. Come to me all who are bowed down. Come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I will give you this living water. You will never thirst, never hunger. God took the initiative to restore Elijah. God came to Elijah. And Jesus, I love these words here. The journey is too much for you. It's too much for you. I want to say to, if I can say with um, love to, to you all my brothers and sisters, I want to say this to you and I say it to myself as well. If, if you're not praying and reading God's word, the journey's too much for you. It's, it's too much for you. What are we doing if we're not praying, if we're not feeding on his word? Do we honestly think we can run this race? Staying, staying focused on God, staying cheerful and staying joyful and encouraging others. If we're not feeding on Christ, the journey is too much for you. Too much. May God speak to our hearts today. He wants to refresh us. But will we come to him and feed from him? But we eat what is good. I love these words of Jesus feeding the 4,000 in Mark 8. It says, during those days, a large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion. They have nothing to eat. I have compassion on these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way. They will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. You're feeling like you've been on a long distance. It's been a long year. been some tough terrain, some hard climbing. Jesus has compassion on you. Compassion. He wants to feed you. He wants to, has he fed Elijah? He wants to feed you. Eat what is good. Jesus is the bread of life. He says in John 6, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread, the true bread, the true bread to eat. The bread 
of God is the bread that comes down from heaven, gives life to the world. And it goes on, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Feeding on Jesus. The journey is too much for you. Many, we've got a long way to go. We've come a long way. He will sustain you if you come to him. To come to him is to trust in him for salvation. To eat this bread is to say, Jesus, you are my saviour. You have died for me. You have risen. You are the one who saves me. I put my trust in you for my salvation, not in my good works. That's to eat the bread. It's being with him, spending time with him. Jesus said, go into your room, close the door. Spending time with him. It's listening to him. It's it's reading the Bible, but with a listening ear. Lord, I... Reading the Bible, listening, being with him in the word. Reading the word, expecting him to speak to you through it. That's feeding on Jesus. Putting your trust in him. Choosing to trust. Even if Jezebel is threatening you. Even if you are exhausted, wasted, you just want to sleep choosing to trust. Remembering the gospel of grace is feeding on Jesus. 2022 will be great if we will eat what is good. And I just want to end with those three ideas of our vision, which is myself, personally, myself. Will I Matt Beanie, will I? Ask yourself that question. Will I? Will I, will, I, will I go to Jesus? Will I do it? Elijah was said, eat. Will I eat? Drink. Will I drink? Will I choose? Will I not only believe these things are true, but will I actually will it? Will I do it? Will my will be involved? My doer, will I do? Jesus said in Mark 6, the apostles gathered round him and reported to him all that ha- all they had done. So the apostles at this time had, had been out, they'd seen great miracles, they'd been sent out by Jesus. Like Elijah, they'd been busy doing ministry. But then he says, then because so many people were coming, that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves to a solitary place. Will I, myself, will I go to a solitary place with Christ, close the door and feed on Jesus? one another, 
will we come together and feed on Christ as a church? We celebrate Jesus together. Think about, we, we all have a part to play in this, right? So if, you're, if you work in the children's, serve the children, uh, if you serve uh, serendipity and lighthouse, and uh, I could go through the worship and um, prayer team, community group leadership, little lambs, I could go think about the ministry, all the different things that we are involved with as a church. Or even if you simply just come along. We all have a part to play in making Jesus the centre of what we do. We want to help every person that we relate with, whether we're in leadership and whatever we're serving, whatever ministry, whether we're praying with someone, let's feed on Jesus. Come on, let's feed on Jesus. Let's remember Jesus. Oh, you're, you're feeling deserted by God? Let's remember Jesus. Oh, you're feeling that, that God is distant from you and doesn't love you and doesn't like you? Let's remember Jesus. Let's do it together. Elijah was isolated in the wilderness. God spoke to him. But oftentimes that speaking comes through each other to each other. You don't, we need one another. And this is a hard culture to do this in. So we, must, we must work hard. There are so many distractions. You can stay home, d- do so many other things, so many other entertaining things that feel very easy and very attractive, but we must come together and devote ourselves to being together and feeding on Jesus together and encouraging each other in this. I love this story of David, who is fed up, He's down like Elijah and it says Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to him and strengthened him. It says says this, um, helped him, helped David to find strength in God. And if you're going to be a true friend, let's help each other to find strength in God. So that's myself, one another and finally my community my community. This community, remember Jesus looked out on the the, the crowds and they were like sheep without a shepherd, but you know what? They're also people without the bread of life. They're also people without this living water. They are like Elijah. They They don't know God. They're in this drought. They need to know God. And I love the story in Mark 6 where they feed, feed the 5,000 and Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And those who feed on Jesus, those who eat what is good, have something to give away. They have the story of Jesus. They have their story of Jesus. They have how Jesus has worked in their lives. They can talk of the cross. They can talk of his mercy. They can talk of his goodness because they're experiencing it. And it's those who have gone through the dark valley and come through the other side who've got something really to share about the reality of God's goodness. You have, you feed them. So, 2022 is going to be great 
if we eat what is good. And Elijah was raised up and was able to continue his ministry because he ate what God gave him. Jesus says to us, I am the bread of life. Let's break bread now, just as we finish. Let's take the bread and wine. I've been speaking about it, haven't I? Jesus. We feed on Christ. And this is an object lesson for that. But we do it all the time. Let's break. Let's take some bread now. Remembering. Jesus' body has been broken for you. Jesus' body has been broken for you. So, if you are feeling unforgiven, you are justified in Christ because of the, because of the, the body of Christ being broken for you. If you're fearful of death, you will never taste death because Jesus experienced death for you. If you're feeling deserted by God, he has given his only son for you. He will graciously give you all things. Let's take the wine, remembering the blood of Christ. His death for you, for the forgiveness of sins, for the promise of eternal life, for the promise of his presence. What a feast. What a feast. What a truth. What a saviour. Let's worship him now. <laughs>